but sometimes they're so obedient that they're maybe slavish. They're, they're, they're frightened to innovate in case because they don't want to cause a schism or do anything that's going to cause division. Uh-huh. And so sometimes allowing them to be creative, you've got to make sure you, they can they can have a safe space to do that. If you know what I mean, that's not a because it's hard to be creative if you're frightened. If you know I mean, creativity flows out of freedom, not out of uh, fear. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. Hello and welcome back to the Leadership Podcast. My name is Ron Huntley. I'm your host. It's great to be with you again today. You know, from time to time, I have people reach out to me who are very passionate about Jesus and his church, have tons of gifts and skills, but don't have a call or a vocation to the priesthood. What do we do? How do we be faithful to that call, that sense that I can make a difference It's not easy, but today's guest is a Catholic social entrepreneur and speaker. His name is Niall McNally. He's from Northern Ireland, where my peeps are from originally. It's so great to have you on the show, Niall. Great to be here. Great to be here. (laughs) Lovely fantastic. (laughs) My peeps, that's right. I remember the first time I went to Northern Ireland, which wasn't all that long ago, and I just felt like everybody was my aunt and uncle. (laughs) And there was a big fight in the hotel room, probably at two in the morning, with a bunch of guys that worked together. I thought, this is Irish. <laughs> Drunk, fighting, having a ball, friends the next day, go to work hard. It was awesome. Wouldn't be like people in Northern Ireland to start a fight like it would at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so, so, so fun. Listen, um, I'm really excited. I really am to talk about this because I do. People call me and they ask me, you know, what should I do? They're always asking for advice. Not always, but occasionally asking for advice because it's hard. It's hard. I remember having a call to make a difference in my early 20s. I was studying my financial institution's MBA. I was working at the bank. I didn't particularly enjoy that. I didn't want to spend my life doing that, but I didn't see a way forward in the church, and I didn't have a call to the to the priesthood. And so it's like, what do I do? And I remember getting advice one day from a priest. He said, well, you're you're getting married, so don't work for the church go get a job and I thought, okay well because i was willing to, to go get a you know a theol- master's in theology and figure that out and so yeah. it's probably good advice in, in hindsight but at the same time it can be confusing for people and so i'm hoping today our listeners you know for you as as church leaders as pastors as parish priests like how do you support people like this male or female in your church like how do you give them encouragement um it's it's a worthwhile conversation and for those of you that find yourself in that situation where you're just figuring out how do I apply all this passion skills to to make well, a go of it. Um, it's a really fun conversation. So for you, Niall, at what point, you know, did was faith all of a sudden and and the church and, and your relationship with God? Why did that become the focus for your innovation and your creativity? Like what happened? Okay, um, I had was. A bunch of people did a, a youth mission in our parish back in 1989. Uh, the context is Northern Ireland. It's the Troubles. Um, oh, wow. Protestant Catholics don't like each other. And I hadn't met any uh, Protestants at that stage. And brought up in this classic kind of Catholic background with Mass and Sunday, all the rest of it. And then I kind of fell away from my faith in my mid-teens kind of thing and just did the party thing and 
couldn't see where God was and the mess, the mess that was Northern Ireland. Uh, I also struggled academically. I think under the school with hardly any education. And I was only 18 years after leaving school was I diagnosed with dyslexia and that was to do with processing speed and things like this. So back in the day, you were dyslexic, people didn't know what to do with it. They just sort of went, it's true. And all it means is difficulty with the written word. And and a lot of our communication sometimes is, is just literal or lecture based. And so visuals were a very big thing for me back then. And and the arts were probably very powerful for me. And when they did that mission, they used the arts. They had electric guitars, drums, all the rest of that, and that appealed. Yeah. Um, they also had an American priest who, um, what can I say, he was a brilliant evangelist. Probably was not the best pastor in the world, but a brilliant evangelist. <laughs> and he was great at getting the hearts of men, especially people from very troubled backgrounds. And he... You know, he said, you mentioned any of the Ten Commandments and I've broken them. And I'm thinking that's quite a list to break. But that gave me a lot of hope because in, in the streets that I lived in, there was crazy stuff happening. And I thought I need to know there's hope that God can rescue people out of this and he can make sense of this mess and help us um, find reconciliation with one another and him again. So into that, um, they do this mission into our Catholic parish. And it was Protestant and Catholics doing the mission in a Catholic parish, which was unique but also really unique in the context of Belfast. Um, yeah. So I was sort of shocked by that and going, oh my goodness, I, I don't really, haven't really socialized. I was told never to go across certain places, certain lines, hang out in certain places. I'd only to discover actually things that heard in the sectarian culture and the soil that I was in wasn't all true. Uh, and the, as, as our church teaches, they're separated brethren, but we're brethren, we're brothers and sisters. And we, did, we need to find ways to reconcile or bring it down that wall of hostility that's between us. Um, so that was a big journey for me. Uh, my dad was the first Irish man to get a silver medal in the Olympics for boxing. Um, Come on. Yeah, in 1952 in Helsinki. Right. Wow, and that's so, so he cool. came back a bit of a national hero and all of the boxing clubs took off around, around Ireland at the time. Uh, and it, like, I suppose it was difficult because um, the unionists here wouldn't get on the stage with him at the time because he had a green jersey and it was a political statement in one sense. Uh-huh. So you're dealing with all that. Then he left that after his boxing career. He became a folk singer, but then singing all the rebel songs. <laughs> and so you kind of, I'm sort of steeped in that and trying to find reconciliation out of that culture yeah. when you've heard things that were done to family members and things and you're thinking okay that's just pain that's so hard to deal with uh, for aunts and uncles and cousins and how do you help heal that so my yeah. prayer at that time was Lord I, I don't know the answer for me I'm struggling with academ- academia and in this culture and community I'm in there's a lot of hatred and killing and all sorts of stuff going on uh, and, it, and it was probably prophetic that Protestant Catholics did the mission because somehow we God says, I command the blessing when brothers dwell in unity, if you know what mm-hmm. I mean. And so there was something in that saying, we don't have all the answers. We don't agree in everything theologically, but we can have a common life together. And that gave me, when I could see a vision for something that meant reconciliation, I could see hope for maybe me, my future, in a way I couldn't at that time. And there was, for the first time going, maybe there is a way for Northern Ireland and maybe there's a way for our churches to work out how to do this properly. So that was the context I'm in and creativity played a big part in the way they communicated the faith at the time. Wow. Just as I hear you say that, I think 
the role the vision plays. You know, the role that vision plays, the cut through, the role that vision can play that cuts through um, fear and doubt and failure and shame. It's so important. Like, there's never a time where communicating vision doesn't play a role. And it's just so beautiful that you caught that vision, like, inside of you. It sounds like the Holy Spirit was convicting you, you know. You're getting that straight from God Himself in many ways because it was very personal for you, like as mm-hmm. it is, as it always is. Like yeah. as we as we as we rediscover the meaning of life, it's always personal because it's oh. going to be in the context of your own lived experience, which is different for everybody. But the truth is the truth, and it sounds like you were hearing it in the midst of chaos and distance and drifting and yeah. Yeah, no, where'd you go from true. there? Yeah. And when you look back, you can see God teaches in hindsight. Sometimes it makes you look back and say, yeah. "Okay, this is what was going on." So I didn't have an emotional uh, literacy for any of the stuff that was going on for me. I just just felt yes. like pain and a mess and hurt. I'm trying to untangle all that. Took a lot of years. Uh, been in a good good soil where people were nurturing your faith and helping you grow it. You know, you say the word I've not. Uh, Maybe I've heard the word before, but it's nice to hear it again if I have. But it just struck me as emotional literacy. Like, how many young boys have emotional literacy? I had zero. Like, I I, I had a profound encounter of the love of God when I was 16. Yeah. And I, too, was dealing with a ton of pain and, and, and confusion and had zero emotional literacy to yeah. deal with the chaos. So I used my fists. I wish I was good as your dad. I played hockey. It would have been even more effective. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. play hockey, yeah. uh, you know. And so, or, yeah. Anyway, that's really cool. So, where did that take you? Like, yep. where? What was your What was your journey? And how did you become this social entrepreneur? And um, yeah, yeah. I believe it or not, I was a hairdresser for five years. Yeah, <laughs> was my yeah. job. But I, yeah. I hated it. I fell in it for the party thing, uh, and that was the reason I did it. Sure. And then, but we were doing this um, outreach that happened in our Catholic parish became a prayer group, and that prayer group turned into um, a youth ministry work that was cross community across Belfast at the time, and cool. and it now has different hubs around Northern Ireland, one in Scotland uh, as well, and so that kind of grew, and I'm, uh-huh. I'm starting to help young people deal with their personal and the social issues, that emotional literacy issues that were going on for them. Going, okay, they don't know how to articulate what their needs are and so they don't know how to ask how to get it met appropriately and so um, that was a, a lot of the work I was doing was helping with that and then joining up where's God in the mess was helping them do that so I ended up living with a, a brotherhood for a year um, a celibate brothers but they were again Catholic and Protestant brothers living together which was I needed that kind of hope at the time um, yes. I needed to see something that that the, gate, right, the walls didn't go up to heaven if you know what I mean Mm-hmm. So, um, and it was very good because I had Protestant brothers challenging me going, if I said something bad about my Catholic faith, going, now you don't know your church history, you don't know the background, you really are insecure and you'll take affirmation from anybody. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I get that you, you feel loved by us, but you don't have to become like us. Let's understand the faith, if you know what I mean. Um, Holy smokes. So that, yeah, that was poignant because you're always told people are trying to convert you or do this and to see people not doing that going that that's not going to help us here you know um so they could separate my needs 
and separate some of the politics and also separate theology and help untangle some of them three areas. And there's a lot in that, obviously, when you're living with people for a year. And so then I ended up doing an organization that helped us do the original mission, had a base in Dublin. And I went to that and we did, I did missionary work for five years. And that was me, I suppose, cutting my teeth in youth work and youth ministry. Uh-huh. And at the time, youth ministry wasn't even a word. It only came in about 25 years ago, youth ministry. Um, people didn't use it as a term. It was used in the evangelical world, but not in the Catholic world so much. And even yeah. when I started cast ministries, I intentionally stuck ministries on it a little bit because I thought that word's a helpful word because it connects the personal, social, and the faith. Uh-huh. And I wanted to sort of join them up a little bit. Um, so, you know, I took teams to the Philippines for three months and we did stuff in third world countries to Bosnia and some of the conflict areas. And then most of my time was school retreats and doing youth missions and all over Ireland, basically. Uh, and so that's what I did for about five years solid. And we did for doing youth events as well as you have to learn how to do events well if you're going to have lots of people coming to it. Um, uh-huh. And on the back of that, I, I knew my... Uh, a friend who became my wife later, uh, and she was she jokes that uh, she was one of my supporters when I was doing the missionary work. She says you're bought and paid for. <laughs> so that makes me laugh. <laughs> the um, so she we 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 um, uh, got engaged eventually, and then we started cast together. And I knew coming back to feeling called back to Northern Ireland at the time that it was going to be it's tricky. It's hard to build a bridge from the middle. And you're trying to think to stand on one side and build a cross. You stand in the middle, everybody walks over you in a, in a sense. <laughs> so you get it from the Catholics and the Protestants and you're going to, uh, it's really hard to know how to uh, be in this place when there's so much distrust and hurt in the middle. Um, so again, that was just about having good models around me, people who were mature in the faith, who could call me on, educate me uh, and mentor and coach me through just life. Mm-hmm and all the, the things you're, you're caught up in as such. So I'm just going to show you a wee clip of our, a show reel of the stuff we've kind of been doing over the last 25 years. So sometimes a parish might get us to come in uh, and this, some of the clips you'll see in this show reel is us working in an inner city parish where uh, young people aren't really going to church or going to mass. And yeah. uh, suicide rate was very high among the teens as well. And so they, they were very disconnected yes. from a sense of community. And and disconnected from the sense of love in their, in their life as well. So, uh, one of the things I've learned obviously over the years is how to do production and use technology well and make it engaging and, and exciting for the young people to come to. And so, we partnered with the parish and another youth work organisation to um, run this mission. So I made it sing and dance for them. I made it appealing, and in one sense, it wasn't very hard to get them in. It was a big estate. They were all the young people are wandering around, not really, um, and you know, engaged in in, in the community as such. They were just kind of wee bit um, on their own. So I put a big laser light outside the church, and it was like moth to a light. Really, uh, they just went, "What's the light?" And they all just came, and we got a pizza company to sponsor the nights and free pizza at the end of the night and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so we had 150 the first night and the word got out. And then the next two nights we had about 300. And, and you know what? They didn't have any of the hangups that the church have about itself and its history and scandals. They, don't even, they weren't even paying attention. They had their own needs were bigger than that. Uh, and, and that was more in their face. So they just needed to know they were loved. We wanted them here and the community wanted them here and there's a place for them. Uh, so part of the show where you'll see some of them clips of the young people. 
Um, but I'll be quiet. Otherwise, you'll see stuff of me speaking to at the Life Conference. That was the other big thing I did for about 15 years. So it's 10 days, 10 venues to 4,500 young people every year. Right. Talking in the area of relationships, rites of passage, boundaries, how do you guard your heart and the heart of the person you're dating, all that kind of stuff, good stuff. Beautiful. So, let me show you a clip of that. Thank you. Oh, that's some cool stuff, uh, Niall. Like, I mean, I can't imagine throwing a party, hoping people will come, getting 150, which would be amazing, and then 300 showing up the next day. I don't know if I've ever been that successful hosting or that brave hosting <laughs> an event without knowing what I'm going to get and then seeing it double. 
yeah. going forward. That's just a really neat story and some really incredible ways of using space and technology and and energy to capture people's hearts and imaginations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and, and that's what I have to say. It, it, it is really a team effort or a community effort, as you as you know from doing team leadership. If if we're not leading as a team, uh, it's just you you're you're a lone shark, you know, and that's just doesn't work. But when the community's behind it and they're praying for it and they're hoping for it and they know the needs of the young people and saying we've got to reach into this, then it becomes very uh, powerful because the Holy Spirit's normally all over that kind of heart and love, you know. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, so that was uh, to me was one model that worked for us and it's not a, yeah. not a bad model at all so it's kind of partner with the parish know how to do events well and have a good youth work youth ministry on the ground that can capture it once it, you throw out the net in a sense and they all come in right. and then mobilize it yeah that's so neat because I'll tell you in the work that I do one of the primary like if one of the top three things that people talk about every time is young people and they just don't know how and one of the things I'm hearing you say Niall is that you have to be good at doing events because that's part of the seasoning of the soup that is youth ministry is we do need great events. Like I think about North America here, Steubenville does such a great job uh-huh. um, uh, to capture, you know, events. You have great music, you have great speakers. Uh, a lot of what I saw in that clip was uh, a lot of what Steubenville does too. Although yep. what you're doing, I find really cool or what you guys have done is is also partnering with parishes so that the youth ministry is on the ground, which is cool. You know, another part of that too, for for what it's worth, and I know all the youth, you know, there's a lot of youth ministers around the world, if they're listening, their heads are going to be nodding, is that a lot of times in local parishes, we want youth ministers or youth directors, and we get them, but we under-support them because we don't know how. Uh And so these guys or girls often go under-supported. We don't know how to integrate that youth culture and youth ministry into the life of the church in, in a way that is cohesive. And uh-huh. so a lot of, I think there's a lot of burnout, a lot of uh, yeah. in youth ministry, which I think a lot of it boils down to, yeah, we want young people, but we don't know how to support these people or this culture. Is that fair? Yeah, no, it, it is. Um, it is. It is tricky. I, I'm sure... I'm sure it's a, um, it can be a headache. I'm, 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 I'm one of the headaches, right? Where it can be a struggle for the bishops to know where do we get the money to do this? Because most of the stuff that happens in the church is voluntary based. Um, but having a, a key youth leader that you're, you know, I've got a certain level of skill, uh, right. he can bring it and then work with the volunteers, train them, coach them, and so on. Um, even just finding first a salary for them, if you can find it. Sure. And then second, having a little bit of a project budget because a lot of times people go, I've got the person and I do it and they've, they've no resource to actually, you know, go and buy Mobilize. a laptop, you know, run an event, whatever. So it's it's a twofold thing there. They do need to find a way of getting the right skill, the person in place and and also resourcing them so they can do it. As you right. say, it is about two to three years for youth workers, not even youth ministry, youth workers. And, and I know directors here swap out every five years or so sometimes as well because uh, it's uh-huh. for all sorts of different reasons. But um, trying to have that continuity where you're taking a young person as you should do from their childhood and their teenage through teenagehood into adulthood and hopefully then into marriage and so on. Um, but joining that up, as could be always talking, I don't know if you do that, but the three pillars, you always say it's the parish, the church uh, and the family are the three pillars. 
But yeah. with society being the way it is, family breaking down, communities are breaking down, and then pillars need strengthening and need help. And so I'm um, having the kind of vision where you can um, fix them pillars in a sense and strengthen them and make them work the way they used to work. Uh, and, and it's tricky because we've got a culture now that's, you know, 25 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, people got a job and they had it for 25 years. So you could build a parish, but people get right. three-year contracts, one-year contracts. They move. It's such a transient community now that people have to go where the work is. And it's hard to build a consistent family in a place and our community family that can nurture young people coming through. So hmm. whatever the model you make, it's got to be built into it, that the idea that things are going to be a transient, but we've got a vision that's going to keep going the same direction if people have to come and go as they do. That's a really cool insight. I, I never really thought of it like that. And I know in the, you know, just kind of watching HTB and the founders of Alpha and the type of work they do, I recognize that, that, they too have a really high transient population, a lot of student population. So they figure out their principles. They have a, a really acute eye for leadership capacity and they're developing leaders all the time. So they're able to live out their principles in a transient world with this consistency, which is a lot of work versus Stop. years ago. Like you say, families would support each other. Well, but it's almost like principles need to support the families that are going to come and go. If there's going to be continuity and so leadership, yeah, it's, you could build the parish because the parents were going to be there. You know, uh, my parents literally built the church. We had buy a brick campaign, so you literally owned a church by the end of the. Right. You know, everybody bought the brick until the thing was built. So this generation right. are going. What is it we want to build? And, and we're, we've got to somehow get them on board with the vision. They go, I want to build this. I think. I mean, the message hasn't changed, but sometimes the forms and the communication we use, or the instruments we use, or creativity we use, can be slightly different. Uh, mm. the genres change you know there's folk in the 70s from my, gen my dad's generation whatever the contemporary genre is now and we use that art well and cause, and, and use that as the conduit for the, for the message to go out through yeah the Catholic Church is no stranger to using art to evangelize to capture people's hearts and attention is it? nope it's it's birthed in that stuff it really is <laughs> and so mm. we have had it for years um, in Ireland we obviously had you know, when, when, back in the day, people were illiterate. You had to use visuals to communicate. Or in Egyptian culture, it was hieroglyphics. And so they used visuals to communicate. Um, so we use sculptures, stained glass windows, all to tell the story sometimes to an illiterate culture. Um, but we also have tools today that Michelangelo and all them guys didn't have. We've got motion designers, graphic design, and people who can do branding well, all that kind of stuff. And, and all branding is really is helping you get your message out through the noise of the culture. And so you, you're yeah. heard in it. And, and if you do it right, it should cut through all the noise. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's a whole different set of skills, or, or maybe similar skills, but different tools. And it's not always throwing out the old and embracing the new. It's probably a combination of both, isn't it? What's yeah. your thought on that? Yeah, it's it's true. Um I'll show you a few pictures in a minute. Just there might be a video, but be pictures of some of the events I've done and the creativity we use as far as it goes. One of the things a few friends in the states were doing, and I was doing here watching, was we were doing environmental projection, uh -huh. and part of that was okay. We're starting to get the idea we can put screens and use them screens as communication tools. Where you yes. know all the teachers in our schools are using them. Um, if you're a priest who's also a teacher, you would be using them, you're used to them. So you're seeing churches put them in thinking, okay, we know a picture can tell a thousand words. 
what is it that we can do to help make the liturgy of the word better? Um, yeah. So we're looking for the right visuals, the right content to put on the screens that's going to help punch home. Uh, th- this kind of came through to me once. I was doing a, a national youth festival in our national shrine, Knock, here. And I remember having a visual of a guy who's in these ripped jeans. And he looked like he had a hard life, basically. And he's hanging onto the bottom of the crucifix. And just when people are going up for communion, I just popped that up. Because we're all coming to Christ with all our mess. And you offer to you mm-hmm. and send it all. Or this is who I am. You know, do what you can with it. Transform it. As you transform the bread and the wine, transform me. And and so it was just that it's the same way if you play a song or a piece of music and it just hits the right note, you know, what's beautiful. Now, if you hit the wrong note, everybody goes, oh. And the same with visuals. You know, yeah. if you get the right visual that it speaks to their aesthetics and what they appreciate as beauty, um, it can really get past the intellect and get to our hearts. And so what you find is, I just remember putting that up and the atmosphere changed because it was the right visual. Uh-huh. People went to communion and were grasping it in their heads and their hearts what was going on here. Uh, and I, after the Mass, I had about 20 priests come up to me going, can we put screens in our church? Can we put screens in our yeah. church? And I was chatting to the bishop. He goes, of course, they can. It's not a sin, you know. And uh, But sometimes they're so obedient that they're maybe slavish. They're, they're, they're frightened to innovate in case because they don't want to cause a schism or do anything that's going to cause division. Uh-huh. And so sometimes allowing them to be creative, you've got to make sure you, they, can, they can have a safe space to do that, if you know what I mean. That's not a... Because it's hard to be creative if you're frightened. If you know what I mean, creativity flows out of freedom, not out of uh, fear. Well said. There's a good tweet. So if you have Twitter account and you're listening right now, make sure you tweet that and include me because <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> I love that. You know, everything that's true, beautiful, and good, right? And so, so often yeah. we, we're not creating any more beauty in the context of, you know, a week. You know, whether it's an event, whether it's a retreat, whether it's uh, the liturgy of the word, like we can continue to be part of that creative process and bring yeah. beauty. And yeah, love that. Terrific. And so, so, sorry, go ahead. But, and you're saying about it's, it's a communication. Uh, communication is a real art. It's not, there's a sound uh-huh. student in some ways, but it's an art. You, you can't, it's like learning a guitar. You've got to work out how to get that right, you know? And yeah. sometimes you say you had a bum note. And the same with visuals in a, in a sermon or a homily. You know, learning how to get the right ones and you kind of know your audience a little bit I remember I was doing this environmental projection in a youth event and a priest came up to me and says it's a bit like X Factor in here or you know American Idol I says it totally is like that he says because that's my audience right now he says that is my audience, I knew his aesthetics yeah. he was kind of more middle upper class at the time and I knew he was more into minimalist and I thought here's a visual I think you would love preaching that and I put up this um, beautiful forest scene you know and it's just and it's, you know, it's heavenly. They've gone, oh, yeah. And I can you imagine talking about God's love in this space and his heart for them in this space? No, I totally could. Um, and it's been like, even in my, when I grew up, our Christmas trees were all really heavily penciled and bobbles and color. Yep. And you go to other people's ones and it's all very minimalist and it's all, you know, just lights and hardly any color. And you got to realize who your audience is a little bit and try and craft your yeah. message in their genre and what they yeah. find aesthetically pleasing or beautiful and then and sort of introduce the, faith in through that um so that's a bit of an art and that's really exciting to hear you talk about that because you know in public speaking like i trained as a speaker for years and helped other people train as a speaker it's one of the things i love to do and and you know you have so many tools at your disposal when you're when you're giving a talk in terms of your pace your 
inflection, your the use of pauses, the stories, the <clears throat> volume, like so many tools people don't even think about. Some people just all they think about is the content is right and true. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, yeah, that that's great. And it falls on deaf ears if you don't work on your skills to communicate. It's no different than music. Like some people, they learn how to yeah. play the guitar, but they play at one pace and one sound. And yeah. it's like, yeah, but a, a song done really well has a build and, yeah. and, and it moves you. Not It's yeah. not just I'm playing the right chords. It's more than that. And so then you bringing in as well is the space use. Uh-huh. And, and so it really becomes this very intentional um, art of communicating. It's just, I just find that really exciting. That yeah. would be fun. It would probably take a team. I can't imagine a pastor trying to do that on his own. Like, there's a yeah, lot no, going on. And then when it is a team like that, it's exciting for everybody because there's a sense of community in it. And that's yeah. contagious for anybody coming in going, these guys all really like each other and get on well together. And that's communication in itself, you know. It's just so a good true. place to be. Do they even like each other, you know? Um, so <laughs> you've got all that going on. I remember uh, there's a YouTube clip video on called Henry. It's an old man in a nursing home who's been there for five years. And if you see him, he's totally crunched over and he's not very animated. And the the, the nurse who was looking after him was trying to work out, is, what can we do to engage him some more? Uh, and she was asking what kind of music he liked what he was into and he was into the blues and he was into uh, gospel music and stuff so she got a wee iPod put it on his ears and played it and honestly Ron it was like watching a miracle you know from going from this to and he just started singing and he opened up and I think that's why the philosopher Kant says it's the quickening art that gets past the intellect straight to your heart and he started just singing along with it you can see it look up Henry old people nursing home and it's powerful to watch and after they even take the earphones off he's a lot more animated he's talking he says do you like music called love music music love brings us together it's God speaks just through music you know and he's talking about that art the love and the beauty again and and so it just reminds me these forms are there for a reason you know and we've kind of always been there in, in our culture in the Catholic Church we use it and if we use it well it's going to be powerful mm-hmm. um so getting familiar with some of the more contemporary genres and how to use that art well is a good thing and it can help you I think the other thing in my mind there was how do we there is a place where you're involved in the person and individuals because what I might like somebody else might so I might say the priest you know some of the bishop guys I know say hey, now I'm talking on the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit anything you have visually on that would be great just pop it up you know so they might trust me because I've been around and maybe can play a bit better than others you know and yes. uh or if they're not as confident with you in your skill, you say, Listen, here's here's a range of things I have, which do you like? And they go, oh, I like that, that, and that. Okay, great, we'll right. use that when you're you're talking. Um, and the more you can pre-plan that, if you know if you've got a, like a, a sermon series, and we, we have a series of teachings that we do every four years in the church, so we know what's coming, and we can start right. to think visually how to communicate that, you know? Um, and that can, again, just help with getting that message across. Uh, one priest came to me and says, like, I, I just want to learn how to do PowerPoint. You know what I mean? Um, sure. And how to do that well, you know, because there's death by PowerPoint and then there's good uh-huh. PowerPoint, you know. Uh, yeah. So how do you not overkill people with just bullet points and things like that? So there are wee things you can learn and can teach. Um, 
Yeah. And that's that's the level he was coming at. He was going, I'm not the best communicator, a really good pastor he was, but he just felt this I need some more training in communication, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So so now like you started in youth ministry, you know so many priest vision created hope, sent you on a journey of really getting involved and engaging, growing, maturing. Get bought and paid for by your beautiful wife, have <laughs> family, and, and and carry on. Uh, these visual tools have become a part of your expertise and and what you're bringing to the church. And I I understand now too, and and has been for a while that you also do you do speaking, like being a Catholic speaker in parishes wow. and and diocesan events is, is something that that that. God has called you to that you continue to be obedient to. Uh-huh. What kinds of themes do you find yourself speaking into that brings values, values, sorry, to parishes and events in the Catholic circles? Okay. Um, my dad today, bread and butter to start off with was relationships. Um, it, it was probably the biggest work God had to do on me personally, and that was to yeah. do with the context of Northern Ireland, but in context of just interpersonal friendships and relationships, hard to uh, do conflict well and how to not um um yeah so I think some of them dynamics and boundaries at the time was a book I had read by Dr. Henry Cloud and Townsend and that book was so helpful as far as giving me a language to understand what I'm responsible for and what somebody else is responsible for and then how to guard the mind and the heart of firstly myself and then the person either I'm relating with or it was a romantic relationship dealing with how do I protect their heart um, right. And then, you know, one of the books they did was called Changes That Heal, which was uh, like the forerunner to boundaries, which was very good. And then he did safe people, recognizing are you a safe person or is the person you're relating with safe and how do you get the boundaries right for their sake and for yours? Um, so things like that were key to my formation. Then I sort of think, how do I distill that down for young people? So I was going to school retreats thinking they, they get this. They're, I mean, they're hurting each other in their relationships, and they, but they, they're, they do fancy each other. They do love each other, but they don't know how to navigate all them feelings and insecurities and what have you. So a lot of what I did at start and still do is talk on how to help young people do that or help leaders understand what's going on with their young people and helping them help them navigate that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so that was part of it. Obviously, because the technology stuff and the production stuff, I people ask me a lot about, hey, how do we do this? You know, so they'll <laughs> ring me up and book me to do some consultation or coaching around that. And... And because I've been doing it for a while now, then we've got different networks as youth leaders around Ireland that I've been working with, and we've been trying to pull together a network them. What's their needs? What's the parish needs? The young people's needs? Helping work through all that. Um, and then running sort of different input days and training days for them. Uh, and that's about building us together as a network because we can feel very on our own out there sometimes. Uh, and yes. as youth workers, we want to share our skills or practice and find out how we can uh, grow together in that. Um, so there's, well, there are three things around whole relationships and relating dating stuff around that and production tech technology media content and then sort of leadership development for youth ministry wow so what what I'm hearing is you know again for all of those that are listening and you find yourself in just this call this pull this you know I'm hearing in you Niall that it really youth work is your anointing and so within youth work, you've brought a lot of, you've taken your own experience of relationships and healing and 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 research that you've done, and, and you've distilled that to the point where you can give it away 
uh-huh. in talks and presentations and stuff. And then this skill set, this interest, this fun, this this creativity and art that you have with respect to technology and space and visual, you're able to knit these things together and provide value in the form of being an entrepreneur to the broader church. And oh. and those are the ways that you have been faithful to the call that God's put on your heart. Uh, you've explored, learned, grown, and had fun, <laughs> probably in the tech side, because there's just so much to do. Yeah. And then you're bringing value, which provides the revenue and an income for you and your family. That uh, yep, yep. And as you know, one sense, this is a snapshot, you know, you can, I get a list how many things times I've got it wrong, you know, but uh, sure. I never say that it's wrong. It's, it, I call it, in one sense, it's fallen forward, isn't it? It's learning <laughs> and, and seeing that learning is not, a, I think people run away, go, oh, if it fails, I'd want to be associated with failure. Right. So somehow learning is a failure where you go, okay, uh-huh. you don't do it like that. Maybe you just try it like this. Okay, that uh-huh. worked. That didn't, that didn't work. Why didn't that work? And so as a, a group of people or as a team leadership, learning how to fall forward together and guard each other's back in the process because it's, it's a very vulnerable space to be in when you're trying to do stuff and you're stepping out in faith and it is risky and there's days you get it right and it's brilliant and there's days oh, it's just awful and you're embarrassed <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh, I think the the spirit of an entrepreneur is one of risk taking well, it's one of willing to make mistakes in an effort to get it really right and so now I, I'm grateful for your attitude, your faith, your generosity, your faithfulness. I'm so grateful for the ways that you continue to press into um, making God, you know, pa- pushing past the intellect and catching and getting to the heart. Right. Um, you know, that whole principle that you apply to the ministry that you do with youth is, as I don't have to tell you, it's the exact same principles that we have to apply to adults too, and I'm sure you do. And um, and it's just a wonderful reminder. If people are listening today and they say, I want to see what Niall's up to. Like, how do I get more of Niall, see his creativity <laughs> and stuff like that? Where would they go? Okay. Um, main place to go is uh, all our websites are actually in, in the process of getting updated now. But if you go to castministries.com, yes. um, that's our main website. There is another wonderful. one that you see some of them behind me here, Production Tech Media, Digital Liturgies, which is about this mass app. I'll talk about another time maybe. <laughs> um, I've got Nabok getting done, but Cast Ministries is the main one. Okay, castministry.com. That's the main one. Um, well, that's and wonderful. You can contact me there if you want to book me for anything or whatever. Wonderful. Well, I strongly recommend uh, if you're listening today, look up now. There are so many parts to who he is, what he's doing, and how he's contributing to the church in this generation. And so, now thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Todd. Lovely being with you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And thank you for listening. And thank you for following, subscribing, sharing these conversations with others. If you're one of those people that uh, is a Catholic creative, a social entrepreneur, then I just want to encourage you to keep on keeping on. Uh, I know it's not easy, but it's worth it. Uh, Being faithful to God and generous to others is a great way to live your life, to give it purpose and meaning. And if you're one of those church leaders, parish priest, pastor, who has somebody in your church that's trying to make a go of it, talk to you Give them some encouragement from time to time. That goes a long, long way. Let's encourage each other to to live a life of purpose and meaning uh, and using our gifts to, to make a difference. Thank you, everybody. God bless you, and we will see you next time. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. 
See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.